Friends, our gospel text today comes from Matthew chapter 22. I invite you to stand with me in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel. And this comes from chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Having love for our neighbors, right next to having love for God, is the most important command and practice that we can do as disciples of Jesus Christ. In fact, if somebody were to ask you, can you explain to me your faith in two simple sentences, I would suggest you turn right to Matthew 22, where Jesus says, the most important thing is this, love God and love your neighbor. Well, as we've mentioned already today, we're beginning a new sermon series that takes seriously that second command, love your neighbor as yourself. And over the next six weeks, we'll be considering what are tangible, practical, concrete ways that we can take this command to love our neighbor and take it out into the neighborhoods in which we live. This good neighbor experiment uses principles of neighboring that have been developed by a local nonprofit here in uh, south central Wichita called the Neighboring Movement. And uh, we're excited to share these practices and principles with you. We'll be talking about this for six weeks, but if I could share with you the main idea of this whole series in a nutshell, it would be this. That through loving our actual, literal neighbors like Jesus commands here in Matthew 22, we can discover, we can celebrate, and we can collaborate with the ways that God's presence and God's kingdom is already present in each of our neighborhoods. Let's hold on a little bit. Uh, Let's not be too hasty about this neighboring thing. I think we should probably have a conversation about this before we roll it out to this whole congregation. Well, it's a little late for that, Gary. I'm in the middle of the sermon here. Well, yeah, well, you're in the middle of a sermon, but, you know, we can can stop and uh, we could... We could talk about it, maybe go for coffee or something. You know, we wouldn't want to go rogue with a new program without vetting it carefully first. Well, I mean, I think the commandment's pretty clear. I mean, you all heard it, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's all we're talking about here. Well, yeah, but going off the deep end here, as senior Pharisee around here, <clears throat> I need to make sure you know about the traditions of our fathers, about who is and who isn't our neighbor. And, um, you know, I, I can, I, I'm all for being kind and pleasant, but I'm not sure I'm ready to love all my actual neighbors because you haven't met my neighbors. 
You're right, Gary. I, I do not know your neighbors, but I would ask you, do you actually know them? What? Do you know them? Oh, well, yeah, yeah they, they play loud music all the time. And, and, and they don't mow their lawns and they don't take care of their houses. Oh, man. And you should see these little things that grow in their front yard. They must, they must plant them. The you know, little yellow flowers and the little puffballs. And whenever the Kansas wind comes up, it blows the seeds over to my immaculate lawn. See, you don't know my neighbors. What more do I need to know than what I already know about them? Well, Gary, maybe they just need someone to be a good neighbor to them. (laughs) You've heard it said, fences make good neighbors. Ah, the taller, the better. (laughs) But Gary, I mean, with all those big, tall fences, don't you think you'd get lonely, maybe? No, I won't get lonely. I'm too busy trying to put bread on the table and pay the bills and and keep my house and yard immaculate. You know, I I don't have time to be lonely. You know, there is never enough time or money or energy. And I I just don't have the capacity to be more neighborly than I already am, um, let alone loving them. Yeah. Furthermore, furthermore, you know, I don't want to associate with people who don't look like me, think like me, act like me, smell like me. Um, You know, why would I? Pastor Daniel, you would agree, wouldn't you? Well, Gary, I, I think you're beginning to sound like the Pharisee in Matthew 22. That's trying to trick Jesus with that question, (laughs) what is the greatest commandment? Sure, it was a trick question. We were trying to stump him. There's 613 laws in the Old Testament commandments. And uh, if Jesus were to lift out one or another one of them and say they're more important than the others, then we could say, gotcha, and we would have cause to arrest him on the spot. Yes, Mm. and... Now, I, I don't want to hear uh, about uh, loving my neighbors. I'm just not sure. But I, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to hear you out. And, um, you know, I, I'm wearing the button. See, I'm wearing the button. So and you are going to let me finish my sermon? Yeah, I'll finish the sermon <laughs> and uh, see what it means to uh, maybe love as Jesus loved. There you go. All right. Well, Gary, as you take to your seat, I, I do want to point out that you do raise a good point. Uh, 613 laws in the Old Testament. Now, I have not counted them, but Gary, if you say that, I'll believe it. And when the Pharisees approach Jesus, they're trying to catch him. They're trying to trick him. And of course, Jesus is not throwing out the law. He's not saying do away with the Old Testament, not do away with the 613 laws, but what he's doing is he's introducing a new standard, a new covenant, as we say. And he's saying if you were to take all of these 613 laws and if you were to distill it into two simple commands, two commands that encapsulate all of the teachings of the law and the prophets, it would be this. Love the Lord your God. And love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what we're going to be trying to do. We're going to be trying to figure out, discern, experiment together. What does it mean to love 
our neighbor. And as we try to figure that out, perhaps the first question that we ought to ask is, who is my neighbor? Now, it's at this point where I think we can easily get into trouble a little bit because it's so easy to take that second greatest command and to turn it into a metaphor to where it doesn't mean anything. Now, of course, we can say, who is my neighbor? And we can answer, well, Jesus wants us to love everybody. Everybody is my neighbor, from the person who lives right next door to me to the person who lives halfway across the country. And that is true. Jesus, I think, calls us to have a vision of creation that is such that when we're asked the question, who is my neighbor, we're compelled to say we're connected to everybody because we share the same creator. But I think there's a problem with answering that question in that way because if we just simply say, well, everybody's my neighbor, well, then it's so easy to just turn this second greatest command into nothing more than an imperative to be nice, to wave as people walk by, to maybe buy a can of food for somebody on the street when you pass by to them. I don't think there's anything wrong with remembering that everyone is our neighbor, but when we look at this text in Matthew 22, I'm convinced that Jesus was talking about our actual, literal neighbors. And what would it actually mean if Jesus was calling us to not only love God, but to love those neighbors whom we live near? What would it mean if, if, if we as people of faith would seriously consider what does it mean to see our neighborhoods through the lens of our faith, through the lens of a God of abundance? What would it mean if Jesus was inviting us to love our actual neighbors? That's what the buttons are for. And in so doing, perhaps discover the ways that God's presence and God's kingdom is already there. So who is our neighbor? Well, everybody is our neighbor. But let us not forget that Jesus calls us to love our actual neighbors too. Even when they have weeds in their yards, even when their dogs bark. So now we know who our neighbors are. Well, at least we know where they live. You might not know who your neighbors are, but perhaps you will by the end of this sermon series. So perhaps the next question we ought to ask ourselves is what makes a good neighbor. Now, there are many of us in this room who perhaps learned, at least in part, what it meant to be a good neighbor from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, right? Or perhaps you had a neighbor when you were growing up that was especially meaningful to you and showed you through their life what it meant to be a good neighbor. Well, I would like to tell you about one of my favorite neighbors of all time. His name is Alex. Uh, and he was our next-door neighbor when I was growing up on North Cranberry Street here in East Wichita. Um, Alex, he lived right to the north of us, and Alex was a smoker. Um, he didn't smoke cigarettes, but he smoked uh, chicken and ribs and pork, all manner of beautiful, wonderful things. I remember getting off the bus when I was in third grade every single day and smelling the beautiful aroma of smoke coming from his smokers. He always had two of them, and I could never figure out why he needed two smokers, but he always had them both going at the same time. 
And whenever I saw smoke rising from those smokers, I knew what was going to be on the menu for dinner that night because Alex saw the world through a lens of abundance and he always had enough to share. He also made these wonderful baked beans and I have no idea what he put in them, but I have never been able to find a baked bean as good as my neighbor Alex could make. And he would share it with us whenever he would make them. He would say hi to me and my twin brother as we got off the bus. He would yell from the corner, Hey, neighbor, how was your day? And he never forgot a birthday. Every birthday, for me, my twin brother, and my older sister, he would always give us a card with nothing more on it than the name from Alex with a crisp $5 bill. Every time. Now, Alex, for me, uh, demonstrates at least part of what it means to be a good neighbor. For Alex knew the value of meaningful relationships and so sought to cultivate intentionally relationships with me and my family and the whole block. Alex saw the world through a lens of giftedness and abundance, something that's hard to do this day and age because it seems like all the narratives that come at us from every which way tell us that there's not enough this, not enough that, that we're not enough, all the narratives of scarcity. Alex saw the world through abundance. He was not a rich man by any means, but he always had enough smoked chicken to share. Alex also radiated joy. He was a source of light and laughter and warmth to our entire block. And when I was about 12 years old, his wife actually passed away. And I was astonished at the way that even in the months and years after his wife's death, he continued to seek joy. And we knew that he was suffering. We knew that he was lonely, just like so many of us experience loneliness these days. But Alex sought to cultivate joy and continued smoking those beautiful, delicious chickens. These three things, relationship, abundance, Enjoy. These, I think, might just be the three main ingredients to becoming better neighbors. Now, of course, anybody can be a good neighbor. We're not here to say that you have to be a Christian to be a good neighbor. We're not saying you have to come be a member of Aldersgate Church to learn the secret sauce about what it means to be a good neighbor. If I were to ask you who's the best neighbor you've ever had, I'm sure you could think of a name and a life and a story of someone who has touched you. And who knows if they were a person of faith or not. But as people of faith, as people who follow Jesus and want to take seriously this command to love your neighbor as yourself, I believe that this neighboring offers a profound opportunity to practice our faith, to see the world through the lens of the God that we follow, and to practice our faith in very practical ways, not just here on Sunday morning when we gather in the church, but in our actual neighborhoods? What if the ways that we engaged with our neighbors and our neighborhoods was an outpouring of our faith? Not to get people to come to church, not to convert people to Christianity, but to, but to seek relationship, abundance, and joy. Because I think that's what God wants for all of us. It's not a program designed to just turn us into nicer people. 
It's not just about baking cookies when somebody moves in, although that's a very good thing. This neighboring experiment. It's an experiment to see what might happen if we truly believe that the God we serve is a God of abundance. A God who has uniquely gifted and equipped and empowered our neighbors with passions, talents, and gifts just waiting to be discovered and celebrated and partnered with. It's about discovering what might be possible when we realize that God is already present and active with our neighbors. We're not trying to bring God to our neighborhoods. God is already there. We're trying to discover the ways in which he is. This experiment. It's about taking seriously Jesus' command, the second most important one, to love your actual, literal neighbors. To change the way that we see and encounter those people, those spaces, through the lens of our faith. And in the process of doing so, perhaps discovering that what Mr. Rogers taught us when we were kids actually is true. That it's always, always a beautiful day in the neighborhood because God is in our neighborhoods. So would you join us on this experiment, on this journey, the next six weeks as we discover what it means to be a good neighbor? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who is a neighbor to us all. Amen.